We're glad to have you join us today on the Care to Change podcast. We are finishing our series on the trouble with love and marriage with a conversation between April and our counselor, Britt Smith, in a discussion of when there is abuse. Thank you for being part of this conversation. Our hope is to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back to the Care to Change podcast. We are so excited you have decided to join us today. I am excited today because I get to interview one of my favorite people and uh, somebody who you hear her voice often. So um, April, thank you for allowing me to interview you. And I think that this topic is special because we met because of this topic. So as I was a student, you were at the shelter and so you gave me my first social work job working in abuse and so I think having that foundation and starting the social work journey was extra special and I think a lot of people should do it because it's just unique experience and so that's what we get to talk about today a little bit is just talking about how do we create this change? Because we've talked about abuse before. Um, we know what abuse is, we, why people stay in the cycle. Um, so today we're going to focus on what's required for that change. And if you've missed our past podcasts on abuse and the cycle and all of that, we will link that in the show notes so you can easily access that as well. So thank you for taking on this heavy topic today. Yeah. How long ago was that that we met? I mean, it's at least been 2012, probably. So so 10 years. Nine, 10 years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. What it a whirlwind. Yeah. It's good to come back to this. I didn't think we would be circling back to this topic um, like this. So yeah, I'm glad that you framed it like that. So we're going to focus on is change possible? So mm-hmm. tell us. Is change possible? Yeah, and thank you for kind of setting the stage there because, and we'll make sure that, like Britt said, we'll put it in the show notes, the information, because if you're listening to this episode and it's like, what what about abuse in marriage? If you're like, am I, uh, we get that question a lot here at Care to Change, like, is my relationship abusive? And if it is, what options do I have? What's the Bible say? We get those questions a lot. Mm-hmm. We have answered those questions. We have that information that we put out on social media and in prayer podcasts. So we will have those links. And so I don't want to dismiss those questions because they're such good questions and common questions. But we've also already given you that information. And a lot of times we get stuck in the realization that, yes, we're in an abusive relationship or wow, that is toxic, or um, now I understand what my options are. And so we don't get to the the point of, well, can he really change? Or can she really change? And regardless of whether or not he or she changes, what do I need to do? What are the steps for my own healing now that I've experienced this? And so I really want for us to focus today really on is change possible? And we were sort of talking about this before we started the recording here. And I have some pretty strong views just based on, you know, being in this field for 25 years and seeing people and studying this and leading the shelter for a while. And 
just knowing clinically what happens in the brain and in the body and knowing relationally and attachment styles and such. So this is such a big issue that um, I have pretty strong opinions about whether or not somebody can change. And so I'm just going to shoot straight and say change in this area when there are relational patterns is so difficult that it requires such consistent intentionality on both parts that it's not often that you see long-term change. Change is possible. That's why we're here. Healing is possible. You know, that's why we're here. But it does require so much intentionality. So know that going forward, not to walk into it blindly. And this is the reason why with the cycle of abuse, when there's all this promise, you know, one of the stages in the cycle is this honeymoon phase, this promise that it'll never happen again. Um, I, I'll never do this again. And I've learned my lesson this time. And, and this time is different because, mm-hmm. and then you, you can't will yourself to change. And the person that's making these promises might actually believe themselves when they're saying that, yeah. might actually believe, but it's no different than, and it may be even more difficult than other habits. You know, how many times have we said, I'm never going to fill in the blank again. And then that's our go-to. Our, you know, our brains are wired for predictability. So, you know, we just go into whatever patterns we have. And so change is difficult. Change is possible. Mm-hmm. So just to know that just you can't will yourself to change. And when it comes to abusive relationships in abusive partner they can't just promise the change and then change changes. Mm -hmm. Um, They could change for a day, they can change for a week, they can maybe even change for a month. But that doesn't mean that there's long term sustainable change unless Mm -hmm. there are specific things in place. So I just want to shoot really straight about that and say it is possible. But I'm going to give you 10. And this these are probably this is probably not an exhaustive list. But 10 things that I know that are required for long-term sustainable change. And then the listeners can decide, are these things in place? Because if they're not in place, can I really expect this person to be different? Yeah. And therefore, is my relationship going to be different? Yeah. Right. So just to set set the tone, mm-hmm. you know, for that. So I'm going to jump into what these 10 requirements are. And this, I mean, it's a lot, right? And you could apply this to lots of things, not just abuse, but we're talking about abuse in today's episode. Um, the first one really is the awareness and the acknowledgement. What I am doing is abusive. Mm-hmm. It's not even it's unhealthy. It's not even it's unwanted. It's what I'm doing is abusive. And that in and of itself, the amount of humility and courage required to say what I have been doing is abusive to you. Like, no wonder, because who wants to acknowledge it? And it's not about accepting shame. It's not about saying I'm a bad Mm -hmm. person. It's just acknowledging the fact that what I'm doing isn't just healthy. It's actually Mm -hmm. hurtful to someone that I'm telling that I love. Yeah. Right. And so, first of all, just the awareness. Yeah. Um, promises often come without the awareness. So I can promise someone I'm going to change. But if I'm not aware of what I'm really doing and the mm-hmm. and the hurt I'm really causing, it's empty. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just promising because I'm supposed to. Mm-hmm. Right. And so acknowledgement 
uh, and awareness takes such humility and courage. Yeah. Uh, and that's where it needs to begin. Yeah, because that awareness that you're talking about is also like a self-awareness. And that comes from being curious about mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And people, that's not their natural to be curious about themselves. No. They just, oh, that's just good. And nobody so, wants to look in the mirror and say, I'm doing something wrong. Right. Right? It's like there has to be a safe space. You have to feel safe enough with yourself and with the person that you're acknowledging this to, Mm -hmm. to actually say it. Yeah. Right. And so, and the relationship isn't safe. So it's like this cycle. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's not safety. So I'm not going to say it and I'm not going to say it Mm -hmm. because it's just a a cycle of, and to be able to acknowledge, wow, what I'm doing is really hurtful. I mean, just if you take out abuse and just when you say something or do something that you, that hurts someone that you love oh gosh like oh that hurts like I didn't mm-hmm. want to hurt you I'm so mm-hmm. sorry that I hurt you um it's already hard now to know that it's destructive that's another level yeah right I'm so, glad you brought up that safety piece because change happens in safety in the context of safe relationships yeah. that's right and so I think that that's a really really important thing to mm-hmm. like put in flashing lights with this right it's like right Change only occurs in the context Mm -hmm. of safe Mm -hmm. connections. Um, That's so true. Um, The second part, after you're aware and you acknowledge you have that courage, there has to be some sort of an incentive. The incentive, and what I mean by this is, there has to be more benefit to making the change than what you get from whatever pain you're causing. Mm -hmm. So if someone, and this is the reason why people that are in abusive relationships, they get to a point where that's like, that's it. If you do it again, I'm leaving. Oh, well, that stings. So I better make change because I don't want to be left. Or, okay, now the relationship is over and the person's like, no, 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 I'm going to really make change because now they're experiencing pain, right? So there has to be some sort of an incentive. And I say that not, not to promote manipulation because that's not what I mean by this. Once, and that's why I put this after awareness. Oh, I am aware that what I'm doing is hurtful and destructive to you. And it's taking me humility and courage to say it. I'm also aware that this amount of pain is harder than if the amount of pain required for change is less than the amount of pain to stay. So I, I have to be incentivized, I have to have some sort of motivation to make change. That's good. And it has to be consistent. Because you know, we're, we're the you know, we're the kings and queens of making if you don't, and then not following through, right? The other is there has to be some sort of a vision for what it can look like without abuse. And I say this to people that I work with that have anxiety or depression. Sometimes it starts as anxious thoughts or sadness, it moves into depression or anxiety. And um, then that anxiety or that depression sort of becomes a friend, and it protects you. So some people can use something that's not necessarily a good thing or can be hurtful in life and it becomes a sidekick. Yeah. And so it becomes the the wall that keeps you from other things. And you can get so ingrained in abusive cycles that to imagine what life would be like without it, there's such a void there. Well, how do we relate? What would it be like? Could we have fun? And it's so foreign to imagine life without the abuse that people like I it's easier to just go with what I know even though it's hurtful and so um, it takes some sort of vision to be able to say this is the reason my life will be better 
without this abuse in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has to be a vision for what it can look like. And I'm not talking about false, right? Utopia. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying mm-hmm. a vision that you want to break up with the abuse, whatever yeah. the abuse is getting you, you mm-hmm. have to break up with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to the person that does the abusing, like mm-hmm. you have to say, I realize you're getting me something by this behavior, but I'm going to have to break up with the fact that this is the way I'm getting something that I want mm-hmm. or need. And so there has to be a vision for a better future. The other is healing. So people don't wake up and decide they're going to be abusers. They don't just wake up and say, I'm going to be abusive. I say it often, you know, I have teenagers. And so, you know, they're in the sort of early phases of what dating could look like. And I, and I say, if you see someone that's angry or a bully or controlling today as a child, as a teen, if that does not change, that will turn into abuse as an adult. So yeah. bullies become abusers if there isn't change. That's yeah. just the way it is. That's good. And there has to be some sort of healing. What was it that caused the behavior in the first place? Why am I abusive to my partner? What makes me tick? What What's behind this? There's going to need to be healing. A lot of times, and I don't want to generalize everyone but there's trauma involved um there's relational trauma something that has happened earlier Mm -hmm. it will help you understand it but it doesn't give permission for it to continue absolutely so what i would say to the person being abused is yes you may understand or they may have this aha moment that this is the reason why and you might understand them better but it doesn't give permission for it to continue Mm -hmm. so wow, but they had this horrible childhood and they're way better than their dad was. No, it still doesn't give permission. And so what I want to say is the healing is required, which to me is in the context of therapy and in deep connections. So if you have someone that's an abuser who's making you promises, but they are not going to therapy or they're not getting a counselor, they're not having accountability, and I'll talk about that in a minute, Mm -hmm. don't think that that change is going to be lasting. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Okay, I don't mean to open a can of worms, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping you can shut this real quick. So you said if they're not in therapy, mm-hmm. but what if I'm talking to my pastor? Is that enough? It depends on the pastor's background because talking to a pastor is great. Does the pastor understand brain science? Does the pastor understand attachment? It's not just a spiritual issue. There's an There's actually a psychological component to this. So I don't want to downgrade because every pastor is different in what they know and how they've been trained. Um, but I will say, if you're not getting to the root of it, you're not getting to it. And so you're not going to pull the root. You're just going to spray the roundup and the root's going to come up somewhere else. So it's just going to come, it's just going to sprout up somewhere else. I mean, we see this often. The relationship ends and then the abuser finds another relationship. Well, that relationship is over. Okay. But the behavior didn't change. So I think there is a difference there. Yeah. So awareness, vision, healing, and then skills, right? So abuse is sort of a a behavior that repeats. So you've trained yourself that if I do this, then I get this. We have to give skills that say, this is how I'm going to get that need met without it being done in an abusive way. Mm -hmm. So actual practical skills are needed as well. Mm -hmm. How do I communicate? How do I express my needs? Mm -hmm. How do I identify my emotions? How do I address conflict when it comes up? How do I connect in a healthy way with someone else, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's not just finding the cause of the behavior, 
but also replacing it with skills that are healthy. So actual practical skills. Mm -hmm. That requires resources, right? And this is where I, I mentioned therapy, but um, you know, anger management groups, being in support groups, Bible studies, whatever it is, but um, resources, uh, you know, uh, someone who has abusive tendencies can't just say, I'm going to see my therapist, and I'm going to get better. Like I need resources so that when I feel like or when I'm heading that direction, I have someone that I can call, you know, mm -hmm. um, my sponsor. And um, I know that it's different than an addiction, but it's the same idea. Like, yeah. this is what I really want to do. I'm taking a pause, but I don't know what to do. I need to connect with my resources. So resources are needed for change. There also needs to be some identifiable action plan. So all of these things can be written down, addressed in mm -hmm. some way. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to see. This is a frequency that I'm going to see them. This mm -hmm. is who's going to hold me accountable. So an actual identifiable action plan. Um, that's another thing I see a lot of times in, you know, session rooms. Well, he started therapy. Okay. So that's one hour, one day a week, maybe every week. What about the other 23 hours in that day and the 24 hours in all the other days? What's the action plan for those days? So how are you keeping yourself safe? And what is he doing to keep you safe or she doing to keep you safe? So there has to be some action plan and therapy is just one of those steps in that action plan. And that kind of leads me into accountability. I've, I've kind of touched on this. We are not created to be accountability partners with our spouses. As much yeah. as we want to try to be our spouse's Holy Spirit and the one that are speaking truth to our spouse, that is, that's not ideal in a relationship. It puts us in a position that we don't want to be in. So a healthy marriage model does not include that one spouse is the accountability partner for the mm -hmm. other. They need to be accountable to someone else mm -hmm. um, and ideally two to three people. Mm -hmm. Because if the one person's not available to ask for the, account the accountability questions, the second or third person might be. So there has to be an element of accountability in this change plan. So if you're creating a change plan, mm -hmm. And That's again, good. I'm going through all of these like, this is the reason why it's so difficult to change. Yeah. Because who does all of these? Yeah. And then two other elements that are a little bit softer, grace and safety. So the first one is grace. These are deeply ingrained habits. Mm -hmm. They're ways of relationally interacting with people. And so it doesn't change overnight. You can put your mm -hmm. best action plan together and you can go see your therapist and you can have your accountability partner, go to your Bible studies and have connections and still make mistakes. So the question is, is frequency decreasing, the duration decreasing, the intensity mm -hmm. decreasing? Is there still safety? So mm -hmm. this is all in the context of safety, because when there's, uh, when safety is compromised, all of it goes out the window, you have to be safe. Yeah, right. But when you have all of these things in place, and someone makes mistakes, like, oh, they will catch it, though. Oh, there I go again, I'm heading down this path, mm -hmm. I need to pause, I need to stop. And that's like, the other person's like, I'm going to offer you grace because I see you doing these things. Mm -hmm. I don't mean grace by like, oh, I'm going to give you this promise and I'll never do it again. Okay, you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. I'm going to offer you grace. Because I think sometimes that's overused in the Christian world. Like, yes. well, you should offer grace. Well, you should forgive. Okay, yeah. However, let's talk also about change, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It does, Just because you forgive doesn't mean mm -hmm. you have to stay with somebody. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is when grace is offered with awareness... Like that can be a little bit 
that can be a little light bulb of like, mm-hmm. I think this is change. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like. It doesn't mean there's not natural consequences. I mean, correct. think about your kids. Your kids make a mistake. You still love them. You forgive them. But guess what? There's still a natural consequence mm-hmm. that's going to occur because of the behavior. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to offer you mm-hmm. grace. I'm not going to lord this over you. I'm not going to shame you. But it doesn't mean that things are going to stay the same. Mm -hmm. Because it feels like without self-awareness, we're back to that psych, you know, the honeymoon phase that Mm -hmm. you talked about earlier. Right. Right. So like, just to go over these again, I'm talking about awareness and acknowledgement, the vision, the incentives, the healing, the skills, the resources, the action plan, the accountability, the grace and the safety. And again, you know, we started this podcast with saying, you know, change is difficult. When you lay all of these out, and I'm sure I'm missing something here. When you lay all of these out, you say, well, no wonder I'm not seeing change. Yeah. They see that I'm hurt. They make me a promise because they feel bad and they get me flowers. And then next week we're doing this again. And we're in this cycle again. Well, what about, what are these 10 things were were a part of that promise? Mm -hmm. Were a part of those dozen roses that you received? What are these 10 things were part of that? Yeah. Just the acknowledgement. Okay, well, there's a lot of other things that need to happen, right? And again, I want to stress that it's not for the spouse to enforce this. Like, you cannot make your spouse stop abusing. You can't. No matter what Mm. you do, you can't. You can influence. Mm -hmm. You can respond in a way that sets boundaries. And that's part of accountability is the boundaries. You can do that to influence, but you can't make them change. So you can't say... (laughs) These are the 10 things you have to do. And if you don't do these, I'm out of here. You can say, these are the things that I know will create change if you really want them. Pause, step back. They have to act on them. Mm -hmm. Right? You can't say that. You can't. Yeah. It's like when you talk to a friend or something else and you're like, I'm just going to pray and ask God to move Mm -hmm. instead of trying to do it all on my Mm -hmm. own. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like you, you, you can only influence, you can't change. And I think sometimes we just like want to manipulate and then we want to see the best because we didn't get into the relationship to end the relationship. But the reality is we can't make them do it. And if we make them do it, we've manipulated them into doing it or we've become their parent and we parented them into doing Mm -hmm. it. And that just builds resentment. That's not healthy. That's not a healthy marriage model. So that's the outcome isn't going to be what you want anyway, if you're forcing them, which is why you can't be an accountability person. So then the kind of the next part of this is, well, okay, say the listener is like, wow, no wonder I'm not seeing change. Mm -hmm. How am I going to heal from this? And I've asked this question probably a thousand times, you know, if someone is living in the abusive relationship, how can they ever heal? It's and I use the analogy, like, how do you ever get clean if you're living in a mud Mm -hmm. puddle? Yeah. And so it's a question that's out there for me, like, and I've, I've prayed it like, God, can they heal from it when the pain is continuously happening, like when they're in it? Mm-hmm. I think I know the answer, but I don't want to say the answer because like, then you're sort of saying you got to leave, right? And that's not mm-hmm. my job to do. Um, I just know that if you're going home to a house that's abusive, it's very difficult to heal from it mm-hmm. because... It's like breaking your ankle and running on yeah. it and breaking it and running on it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to get healed until yeah. you take a step back yeah. well, and do what's necessary. You and I both do EMDR. Mm-hmm. And when you look at EMDR protocol, one of the things is, is this person currently 
homeless or mm-hmm. are they like essentially what it's asking you is are they in fight flight freeze right and if they are right emdr is not going to work Mm-mm. because they can't heal when they're actively right. i mean they have to that, they have to stabilize and ground yeah right. that's exactly right so you won't get out of that yeah that's a good point so what are the stages of healing i also think there are 10 stages and these could be there could be other stages involved in this but you know just over time and experience this is what i think is required for healing first of all safety if you're not safe, it's difficult to heal. Mm-hmm. If you don't go and do the surgery, you know, it's going to stay broken. Uh, so safety. Yeah. So number one is knowing that, that safety is required, feeling broken, um, knowing that there's a brokenness there that needs to be addressed. Number two is taking a step, reaching out. We say it all the time. Hashtag take a step. Hashtag reach out. Hashtag find hope. It's like, our, you know, we say it all the time here, but it requires some action. And sometimes taking actions where we get stopped because I don't want to take the action I know that's required in order to heal because it's really going to hurt. And we can know all these things about abuse. We can know in our gut and our heart that there's not going to be change. The only thing I can do is take a step to make my own change. And that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. And that's why people stay 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in Mm -hmm. abusive relationships. And gosh, I can't even tell you the number of people I've talked to that stay decades. Yeah. Uh, because taking that step into the unknown is just really hard. So number two is taking a step. Number three is sharing your story to regain power. In the Christian world, we want to put on our Jesus face and say, oh, we're fine. When someone says, how are you? And acknowledging to someone that I'm in a broken relationship that's abusive when everybody's looking on you and on your social and they mm-hmm. think, wow, you guys have it all together. Um, mm-hmm. That's hard. It's hard to say, I'm going to share my story. And I, I firmly believe it doesn't need to be shared without the, the context of safety, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like go out on Facebook and share your story. Yeah, um, There's a time and place for that. But if you're beginning the healing process, that's not the time. Mm-hmm. So to find the safe person, um, whether it's, you know, a life group member, a pastor, best friend, therapist, to, to begin sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Next is understanding the root cause. Um, there's something in each of us that makes us stay, right? Yeah. Why do you stay? What part do I have in this? And sometimes it's just a matter of boundaries, you know, and confusion. You know, I, I was hoping for something to change. I I was hoping it would be different. I was being the accountability person. I was in, you know, in our world, we call it codependence, but I was sort of the one helping. And, you know, if I can't help them, then there's something wrong with me. And so acknowledging what is the root behind behind your part in it. Mm-hmm. And let me just say, it's never your fault when someone abuses you. Absolutely. So a lot of times I know we both have heard some like, well, I did this too. Well, I shouldn't have. You're only responsible for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe you shouldn't have. It, but doesn't give them permission to do what mm-hmm. they did, right? So number five is discovering self-compassion. If you would offer compassion to your best friend who came and told you this, offer yourself that same compassion. Mm-hmm. Like, I would never say these things to my best friend if she came and told me. Like, what are you thinking? Why are you staying? Why didn't you do this? Don't say them to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So discovering self-compassion is key in healing. 
Next is believing that you're worthy of healing. There's this element of when you start to share your story and you look at it from a different perspective, um, whether you're the one being abused or you're the one doing the abusing, it's like to know that you are truly worthy of healing, sometimes hard to, to, to take, you know, like, um, because we want to shame ourselves. Like mm -hmm. I knew better. I shouldn't have, you know, should, mm -hmm. should, should. Yeah. And so knowing and believing that you're worthy of healing is part of that process. The next is setting boundaries and using your voice. Uh, this is almost as hard as taking that first step. How do I set boundaries and keep them? Mm -hmm. How do I make my voice be heard? Because if I speak my voice, the abuse is going to continue. Well, if that's the case, you already have your answer, right? But it's important not to lose your voice in your healing process. Mm -hmm. That's part of your healing process is using your voice in a safe place with safe people in a safe way. Mm hmm Claiming and healing wholeness. There's a time and place to say, I've done these steps. I'm accepting my healing. And I can remember in my own healing journey, praying and praying and saying, you know, going through each one of these phases and just at some point just sort of hearing your healing is right there. You have to claim it because you know you're worthy of it. Yeah. And it was almost like, oh, I've been dancing around it because I don't know if I'm really worthy of this healing. And it's right there for mm -hmm. the reach. So just saying, I'm going to claim this even as an act of faith, mm -hmm. you know, like I can be healed. I can be whole. Uh, number nine is developing a self-care plan with support systems. So you know you're worthy of it. You're, you're accepting it. Now I've got to figure out how to heal from this. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had the surgery. You've got your bandages on. Now I need to go to physical therapy to learn how to strengthen this again. Yeah. So that whole like self-care and support system is kind of like the physical therapy post-surgery. Mm -hmm. Okay, teach me how to redo this. I need my own self-care plan. How am I going to take care of this? Yeah. Both the wound and the strengthening of where it was. And then the last step in this is really recognizing the risk and addressing your plan of protection. Because when we, there's a place of vulnerability when all of this happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've gone through all these steps. I've, I've made these life changes. I've accepted healing. I've got my self-care plan. And then there's the what ifs and the naysayers and the people who haven't been walking the journey with you. Who, well, what about, well, why didn't you? Or did you try? Well, you know what always worked for me? They're the ones that are like the doubt casters. I'm going to throw a little bit of doubt in what you're doing. Yeah. I'm going to make you feel a little bit less about the effectiveness of whatever you're trying. And then you're kind of at risk of like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I'm not where I really want to be. So I'm going to go back to where I was. Because yeah. at least, again, I know what I get when I'm where I was. I don't know this new path that I'm walking. Right. And so recognizing the risk and what is that plan of protection? What are the boundaries? I'm never going back there. I'm never talking to that person again. I'm only going to talk to them in public. I'm going to have someone else there so that when he or she begins manipulating, they can give me the face and I can know, okay, don't get sucked into this. Like what is mm -hmm. the plan of protection mm -hmm. to in include as well? Yeah. So, and it's kind of a cycle. We have a graphic that we can put in the show notes or a link somehow. I don't, I'm not technical, so I don't know how to put a graphic in the show notes, but if we can, we can stick this graphic in and it shows kind of how it's the cycle of healing and how that happens. And, you know, all of that the same as in the change cycle, all of that requires grace and safety. Yeah, same thing. That's good. All of this is done in the context of safety. Thank you. Those are a lot of steps, mm -hmm. but 
so important to create that lasting healing mm-hmm. and change that yeah. you're looking for. What resources do you have for us as far as books or anything that we can dive um, into this farther? There's a book called Lord, I Want to Be Made Whole. That's a good one. And there's a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Both of those are by Lisa Tukerst. Um The other one, I think, is by Stormio Martin. We can put the links to both of those. I think Lord, I Want to Be Whole really walks through the healing process mm-hmm. um, in good. that. Those those would be where I would, mm-hmm. would probably start. The Boundaries book, obviously, is a good mm-hmm. is a good book. Boundaries yeah. and Marriage are just Lisa the Lisa actually has one that's coming out about boundaries, boundaries, too. So I'm interested to see what that looks like because her yes. last two have been really, really good. Those, yeah. The two you mentioned. Yeah. So I, and you know, I would say too, you know, it's just neither one of these, whether it's the person that's doing the change or the person that's needing the healing, and maybe you need both. I don't know. They're not overnight, mm-hmm. right? This can, this can take mm-hmm. so long and it takes intentionality mm-hmm. and knowing that you're worth investing in whatever it takes to yeah. get the healing. Yeah. And so while we can just like pragmatically write these mm-hmm. steps out, there's so much to it. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes we find ourselves back a couple steps. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily linear, right? And right. so it's important to know that th- these are each step is rich and full and takes time and mm-hmm. to give yourself grace. And, you know, you just don't heal overnight. Right. And so, and then there's little bits of hurt along the way that requires additional healing, right? Yeah. So That's um, good. I remember one person said to me once, I, I can't forgive once. It's like forgiving is an ongoing thing. I have to forgive and then the next day forgive. And then there's something new that I have to forgive. And, yeah. and so it's just a process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. I think something else that you've touched on is just your own self thoughts. And so mm-hmm. we went to a global leadership summit this year and one of the speakers talked about the soundtrack yes. in your mind. And that book is called soundtracks by John Acuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a really good yes. resource just for your own. Like, what mm-hmm. are you, what are you telling yourself? I love the analogy of like, mm-hmm. if there's Chick-fil-A music and there's a shark on the screen you're going to be like, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Look at the shark. But if it's the jaws yes. and the sharks on the, you know, you're having a totally different reaction. And yes. so your mind works that exact same way. So I think you touched on that a lot too. So thank you for yeah. this topic and the heaviness of it. And you did it so well and gave us some practical solutions for a positive change. And that's what we love about yeah. the podcast. So thank you for that. Um, if you have any questions about this topic, please reach out to us. Our number, our social media, all of that is in the show notes. So please utilize that. Um, we are just so thankful again that you've spent this time with us today. And we look forward to seeing you f- next time for our next series. So stay tuned for that. We are just as equally excited about what that brings. And we hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317 979 
1-800-273-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.